Good morning. If you've been following with us for the last few weeks, we've been talking about our identities. Uh, Pastor Davis talked about a few, and we'll continue to talk about a few up until Easter, and then we're going to talk about one of our greatest identities, about being redeemed. But as I prepared for today, thinking of my topic, one that Dave said, like, this is a great one, you should do this. I actually got a little nervous. So we're talking about the fact that I am blessed. And uh, I don't really feel comfortable on this because when I started, I think I went down the wrong path. And so I validated myself and teach over at Evergreen Middle School, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Students. It's an after-school club for a whole bunch of Christians' kids, and we kind of eat together because middle school kids need to eat, and then we worship, and we play a game, and we kind of answer some questions, and they're trying to lead it, and it's, it's a great thing. And so I, I validated my, my point with them, and I asked them, what does it mean to be blessed? For those of you who don't know, it's spring break. And so the first thing they said, spring break is coming. No more school. And then they went into my phone, my, my room, living in the United States, my family, my house when my two-year-old brother isn't there. Uh, and then my God. And I'd have to admit, my list started kind of the same way. Yeah, they got to it at the end, but... You know, I, my blessings don't always start with God in the beginning. And as I kind of wrote them down, I took a few different days and I wrote them out, and my list changed day to day as well. You know, uh, easy examples. Uh, if you've had children or you've watched grandkids or been in our, daycare, our, our, our nursery room, some days kids are a blessing. Some days kids teach us a lesson. And they're still a blessing, and we forget that they're hard. Uh, this weekend, my house was a blessing before I started doing the drywall work, and I go chiseled the cement out of the fence post for two hours with my son. It's still a blessing, but it wasn't as high on my list as it was before I started. And so when we count our blessings, we're trying to reflect on the great things in our life. We look to the positive side of the situation, not the negative. And when we do get to the negative, sometimes the new culture puts a hashtag in front of it. Hashtag blessed. I think it's just a way of trying to remind ourselves it wasn't a good day. And then as I thought about our blessings, we're supposed to bless other people with them, right? It's not just for us. And then I started to think about my things and those things I'm willing to share and those things I'm not willing to share and why I can justify not sharing them. But then I had to stop because I don't think this is what God was really meaning when he said that we're supposed to be blessed and that I am blessed. So my list is drastically different than some of the people I work with day in and day out, right? I'm blessed because I have kids, and I know families that struggle with fertility and don't have children, or have made a hard choice to not have them because they struggle with their past. I'm blessed because I have a home that I can invite people in and share life with and be relational and even share the gospel with people 
And there's those who don't have that. Sometimes they're on the corner. Sometimes they're on someone's couch. Sometimes they're in the back of their truck. And I'm blessed because I make enough money to pay my bills. Yet I was on the phone with multiple people this week who couldn't do that. So is this really what God wants us to focus on? Those things he's provided? Uh, Yes, it's true. I can feel blessed by what God has given me, but I don't think this is the identity he wants. Is it, it's not really built on my material possessions. And if we read Luke chapter 6, and we remember some of the things Jesus said, blessed be the poor, the hungry, those who weep, they'll inherit the kingdom of heaven. I think God goes a little deeper than we do. I think God knows that our things can stand in the way of what he's really called us to be thinking about and what my blessing really is. So today, we're not going to count our blessings, uh, but we're going to try to appreciate what God has for us. Uh, And there's a lot more to this. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to pray to start. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it's stood the test of time, how it was handed and given and proven time and time again, and how you've given it to us to be a message into our life, Lord, to provide us wisdom, to help us understand what we're supposed to do. Lord, I just pray for our hearts today that they may be open to what you've had to say. Thank you for your word and how it changes my viewpoint. Uh, Lord, may your message be heard today. In your name we pray. Amen. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 1 in the beginning, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts making a very bold statement. And I think we need to look at this before we get started in kind of his, his the rest of what he's writing. And I don't think he's making a mistake in how he's identified those in Ephesian in the church, but I think he's trying to pass on some wisdom for us. And so, as he says, to the saints and to the faithful. So let's just imagine that the church then is kind of like our church now, and they're made up of people just like us. Were they all saints? Yes. Were they all faithful? Yes, they were. All the time? Nope. Are we? Uh, I can look back on my week and tell you I struggled. I know there were times I put my, my viewpoint above God, and we, we had a struggle with that. But I think Paul is trying to walk us to a pretty incredible point to remind them and to remind us of how we're supposed to act. And we all need this reminder. And it's important to us. And he's trying to remind them of their identity, that they are saints and they are faithful. And it's not a statement of 
where they're walking, but of who they are. And that's the same thing he's going to remind us as we go forward, that we are blessed. Even when we don't always feel like we are blessed. Because our culture today would say our blessings come in our paycheck, our blessings come in the car we drive, our blessings come in when it's not hard, right? when there's not a difficult relationship, when peace exists everywhere. But we don't always live in that world. And after this greeting, Paul kind of he goes off on this really long, rich statement of what it means to be blessed. In verses 3 to 14 in its original text are one big, long, run-on sentence. I was once congratulated by a teacher in junior high for my public reading ability. I don't know what she was thinking. Uh, it was a story about a small child. It was this monologue that I was supposed to read aloud to the whole class. And my teacher said, good job. You didn't take any breaks. You didn't pause. You skipped all the punctuation. You really personified how this young child would read this. I couldn't tell her that I was scared beyond belief. I don't like reading out loud. I was an eighth grader. But I don't think that's Paul's inspired message. I don't think uh, God's inspired word for us is definitely that. But I think there's something special about this passionate statement from Paul that just bleeds who we are and what our Christian doctrine really is. And it tells us a bigger picture that he didn't want to pause in the middle and stop. Although grammatically today we say we have to, he wanted it to be a full story all put together, regardless of grammar rules. So let's read that in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose of which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now that's a little deep, but he's passionate about it, and he's just like that child who's excited to share that news and to remind us, just as we are saints and just as we are faithful, we are blessed regardless of the circumstance, 
as long as we know who our Father is. So I think we need to break it down a little bit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. As we look at our passage today, we have to see where Paul starts, where he's looking for direction. Paul starts in worship. Some of our versions will say, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts by recognizing that we need to look in the right direction, that our blessedness comes from God, and Paul's lining himself up with God and how he sees that. He's looking up before he looks anywhere else. And our praise and our blessedness comes from God. He's blessing us. But there's nothing we have to do with this. It's not, there's actually no value that we add to this equation. And so we can just give glory and praise to God because of that. But we're going to have to ask the question, why do we praise God? And so we're going to continue on. In love, he, uh, let's see. even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I think we need to start by looking at how we've defined blessings, too. Paul's speaking of spiritual blessings, not of earthly blessings, not of reasons we can be thankful, but of why we can be thankful. Philippians 4 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God says he will provide. God says we will be given what we need. And God does answer that and out of our needs, and, he, has, and out of, uh, he answers our needs and our desires in this earthly home, but he's blessed us with something that doesn't get stopped by the grave. He tells us instead that we should store up treasures in heaven. We've all heard that story of the guy who, has, who wants to be buried in his car, right? His favorite possession, I mean, mine might be my truck. Yet those possessions remain there. They rust, they mold, they get destroyed. Paul's speaking of blessings that live beyond the grave. They're more than material things. So we're blessed because we have a gift that cannot be destroyed. And the 2 Corinthians 4 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our blessings are defined in who God is, not what we have and what will vanish. And Paul's going to go on here, and we're going to see this incredible 
picture of God, a Trinitarian God, a God, one God in three persons who works in in just incredible relational community. And as he said, that he's chosen us before him in the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless, predestined for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to his purpose. We don't like that feeling of kind of being before someone and them challenging our truthfulness, being accused of doing something wrong. Whether that's in a court of law or that's around the dinner table, it doesn't really feel good. And let's just accept the fact that sometimes we don't do things wrong and we're just blamed and bad things happen. But if we're honest, we still feel shameful about that. And there's times we do deserve to be challenged around the table, around the courtroom, and with our Heavenly Father. And we feel ashamed of that as well. We get anxious with how that looks and how people will see us. We carry this burden, this ever-growing burden of shame and this weight, and we don't want others to find out. And actually, that usually is what makes it worse, right? Is something's happening, and we don't like it, and so we hide it, and then we hide it again, and we don't talk about it, and all of a sudden, we just can't get out from that. It makes us feel like an outcast, But we have a God who created us in his image, created all of creation. And he actually has the right to look at us and to say, yeah, that's not okay. Instead of that, he offers us a relief. He sees us as blameless. He rescues us from that shame, from being an outcast. He says, you're holy. It means to be not just set apart, but to be set apart for him. And he casts no punishment, he casts no shame, no curses on us if we know who he is. If we recognize his son, if we bow to his authority. And Paul explains all of this before anything else. He says, we praise God And God finds us blameless. I think there's some power in resting in those words. I think he wanted to bless us with that first. And it's through the Father we're predestined. He's elected us to this position. Those are some big words. We have a God who calls us to him who seeks after us. This is all of his work and nothing that we do. We answer, we hear, things grow in our hearts, and that's an incredible blessing to us. Um, To me, there's this comfort that comes in looking in the past. Um, We can look at 
Adam and Noah. Abraham, David, Ruth, Esther, Paul, the list goes on in Scripture of people who didn't walk themselves to God, but of who God sought out and, and, and created that relationship. And there's comfort in knowing what God has done in the past. And then we can look in our life here on earth and in our church, and we can see how God has done some of those same things with the people sitting in the pew next to you. How he's doing that with our children as they're learning something next door. As you embed that into your grandchildren around the table. And we have a comfort because he does that in the past. He does it in our life now. So we can have a comfort knowing he does that in the future. And that's a true blessing. So I'm blame, I am blessed in being blameless, in being called to him, and I'm blessed because the Father has adopted us. Again, before Paul speaks of to the why of any of this, he continues to talk about what God has done, what the Father is doing, and how he sees us. And it's more important for us to recognize and to just accept, just like I am a saint and I am faithful, I am blessed. Adoption is this incredible gift, right? Where it's not natural for our families. It's actually pretty significant, right? Where, and it's a significant change to our family where you take someone from the outside who for some reason is outcast from their family and you bring them into yours and you say, you are significant. You are important and I'm going to make you part of us. You are no longer alone. We're going to bring you into relationship. Adoption is this act where God makes us members of his family. I can understand a God who wants to restore us, who wants to, to seek after us and bring us back to the place he created us. But he does more. This act of adoption doesn't just bring us back to being created in the image of God as something he's put out there. But he's raised us up into his family. We are elevated. And that's a blessing. Not only do we have God the Father, but we have God the Son. And as verse 7 continues, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. 
We're blessed in Christ. Our blamelessness, the calling God has on us, our adoption into the family of God is all through the work of Jesus. Nothing, again, that we add to this table. It has nothing to do with our ability, our merits, our willingness to get it done. It's only the work of Jesus, the Son of God, who existed in the beginning, who became man, suffered, died on the cross, defeated death, and rose from the grave. We are blessed because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And as Paul continues enlisting our blessings, we're told that we are redeemed. That through this process with Jesus, we are forgiven. And through this, we have revelation. It means we have a knowledge of God's plan. So I'm blessed because we're redeemed. As a broken people, we're held hostage in our sins. We're subject to Satan's domain here. And as scripture reminds us, as slaves to sin, we were held in bondage. And that price of bondage had to be paid. And it, it was required, it's a requirement to offset the cost of our offense. Although morality is a question in the culture outside the church, we have that calling here in our hearts. We know we're called to something different. And God calls us to see the same thing. And this price was paid not by us, but by Christ on that cross. Uh, our children are next door, and they're learning this week, or this unit, uh, about the definition of sin. And this is how it's been defined for them. Sin is to think, to speak, or behave any way that goes against God and his commands. We need to be reminded that our offense is not against evil. It is not against Satan. Our offense isn't really about an offense to ourselves. It's an offense to God. So God had to accept that payment, and he did through his son. And it's God's great mercy that they did more than just accept it. But he offers forgiveness with it as well. Once in the past, in the present, and in the future, all forgiven. And as we receive this, our eyes are opened to see something different in the world. As a parent, there's not a greater joy than watching your children have that light go on in their head. Oh, I got it. Sometimes it may be with people at work. Sometimes it's that driver next to you before he hits you. But that that understanding of the bigger picture and what's going on is important for us. I remember this with my son. Sorry, son. Potty training. It's a great thing. And we and some friends went, to the, went camping, and that's when we started learning about this. And they got it. You could pee anywhere. So they did. It was great, as long as they were outside of camp. And then we got home, and we have a backyard and a front yard that has trees. But he got it. And 
thank the Lord we no longer had to invest in Huggies. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he figured it out, and he saw the light. And that's what happens to us. We are blessed because God has given us the window into his bigger plan. And we're not just, and we're part of this inside team. We know what's going on. And we understand the big picture from beginning. And we understand to the end because it's been written for us. And there's a joy in getting to share that with others. And so we're blessed in that as well. Now, this just has to seem too good to be true. You know, it's the infomercial online. There's got to be something that's not quite right about this. Where's the catch? How do I know this? We're blameless. We're sought after. We're adopted. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have this knowledge. But how do we know it's real? In verse 13, it goes on. In him you also have... In, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We know this because we are sealed. It's a weird thing to those on the outside of not understanding this picture and the change of heart that goes on. But those of you who's had it happen, there is a new heart that is beating in your chest. And it doesn't go away. Sometimes it feels like it's far away when we struggle, but it's not. This is the same spirit that Jesus promised us. Historic documents used to be sealed with a wax seal. And marked, kind of pushed or embedded with the mark of the writer into that wax. And it did a few things. It certified it as authentic. You could see that it was secured and no one had opened it if it was a private document. That's the Holy Spirit that sealed us. It marks our authenticity as believers. It's a confirmation of our faith. It's to certify us and to not allow our heart to be open for anything else to possess it. We are for Christ. And children of God adopted into his family, sealed by his spirit. And the seal also gives us a taste of what's to come, of our inheritance. We live in a world that's not our own. That is, it's not our home. That isn't the end of where we get to look today. We don't look to the grave and say that is it. We look beyond it. And that's why our blessings are so incredible. And as we look to that heavenly home, to a restored body, to fully restored relationships with our heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit gives us a taste of what that's like, of a conviction, of a support, of not being alone, So if, let's accept what Paul is saying is true. That we are, and, 
who we are supposed to be. We are saints, we are faithful, and we are blessed. And if we are going to truly praise God for this blessing, then what are we going to do with it? We have a God who loves us this much to bless us in such an amazing way. We don't get to just store this nugget in our hearts. We don't get to just protect it and not share it. In our reading this week, in our devotional, 1 John 3 says this, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In James it says to be doers, doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is echoed in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And if we look over the rest of this letter, Paul reminds us of how we're to put away falsehood to seek unity and how we should let it impact our families, our children, our bedroom, and even how we fight the enemy. So we look at our passage, we can see a model that Christ, that God has given us, and it looks a little like this. We praise God, and we can praise God by what we know. And what we know should impact what we do. And this cycle shouldn't just circle around one of those. We don't just only praise God. We don't only learn more. And we don't only act it out. It's all in this continuum together. I'm going to go to our next one. So God says that if we deceive ourselves by thinking we can lock this up in our hearts and let it not move us that I am blessed and I am blessed by who God is and what he has done and what he's doing in the future. So because of this, I praise God and I am grateful. And this causes me to interact with the world around me differently. So what we know should cause us to come to know a little bit new thing, some new things or revelations about who God is. Maybe about what I don't trust in what God is doing, and so I can praise God for what I learn about him. Maybe you're going through a hard time and you just don't know how to get it. God's word will lead you through that so we can praise God. But we don't just get to praise God and then just keep learning because if we don't let it impact what we do, we've missed God's message. And so we need to apply it to our life. We need to interact with that. Perhaps that means we need to see where we've hurt others, where others have hurt us, where maybe I've even lived out some false beliefs about God and what he wants me to do. And that leads me back to praising God because I'm going to be repenting of what I've done. Maybe I'm going to praise him for things I've seen that he's doing that I haven't seen before. And that should just spin us back through the cycle of learning more applying it to our life, and going on and on. So if we really look at what Paul's saying, that we should praise God because we are blessed. And because we are blessed, we should be a blessing to others. And God will provide provisions, and he's going to give us the things we need. But if we let our blessings stop just at those things, we've missed why we're blessed. 
So let's ask ourselves some questions. If we're not blessed with material blessings, but we're blessed with spiritual blessings that don't rot, that don't wither away, that don't fade, and we're blessed with these blessings that travel across the grave, and we're all blessed in the same way. If you look around the room, as you look at your neighbor, maybe the server at dinner, your kids, even your enemy, realize who you're looking at. Those are blessed people, blessed just like you. They're either equal or they're invited to be equal, depending on who their Savior is. And since we share the same Savior, we share that same inheritance, we have the same blessing, do we treat others equally with this status? Or do you perhaps see yourself above that? Or maybe you put yourself below that. Paul's calling us to a different standard. And as we expect to receive blessings... What blessings are you really looking for? Because yes, God's promised to provide, and he's promised to, to answer our needs and our prayers, and those, bless, those, those things don't change. But these blessings you already have. These blessings will continue. And so when we struggle, when we are persecuted, Don't let those stop you short of really seeing how blessed you are. We've been talking about identities now for for a few weeks. I love identity. Our youth has been learning about it. Um, And that's because identities tell us more than just what they say. I'm a father. But if I'm not doing fatherly things, there's a problem in that statement. I'm a husband, but if I don't do husbandy things, not a great husband. So I'm blessed. So I should do blessed things. I should live a blessed life because we have a blessed life, regardless of where we're at. God says in all things, he makes things happen, the good and the bad. So hold on to that spiritual blessings that we have because they really matter. So a challenge to you as we go out. Um, As you share your blessings today, as you think about how you've shared your blessings with other people, are you just sharing those earthly possessions? Or are you sharing the best blessing you have with Jesus Christ? So Easter's coming up and we've got some invitation cards in the back. We're really going to be asking our kids to invite their friends and their, their siblings and their cousins and to, to try to be a blessing that way. So how about you? Who, who should you invite into that time? And maybe this isn't the right time for you to invite them into church, but it's a time to invite them into prayer. Because if we're really caring about who we're blessing, we, we know we don't do this well on our own. We should be praying for them. And maybe before you ask them to sit in the pew next to you, 
ask him to share dinner at your place or on the park bench or at the coffee shop or wherever home is. Because if, you're, if they're willing to come eat with you there, why wouldn't they come eat with you here and be fed something a little more uh, spiritual? So let's think about that. Let's think how we can bless others, not with just a relationship with us, but we can bless others by our relationship with them and introducing them to the best relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for how we have connection to you through the Spirit and through your Son that you had in your plan from the beginning the way to get us, to call us to you, to bring us home. And that from all, through all of this, you have been a blessing to us. And you have blessed us and help us go bless others with more than what we have. In your name we pray. Amen.